In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we're on New Year's Day, so here's a little thing to remind us that where we're going. I think we hopefully we have some sound here. Lasts only about 30 seconds. Pretty exciting. I rarely, rarely get a chance to uh, preach on New Year's Eve exactly. So usually it's a couple days before, a couple days after. So I thought we should be talking about how do you make this your best year ever? How does that work? And we'll talk about that. And how many of you are morning people? Morning people? Why do you like the morning so much? I'm not a night person at all. We're, Pastor Biedenbender invited us over for New Year's Eve. We're going there at four, not because we're cool and we're going to party all night because we're going to leave at nine o'clock, because at that point, like my eyes, we just went to another friend's house, pastor friend, they're talking, and I was like mentally thinking, I've got to, I'm going to fall asleep any second right now, and they're like, hey, let's go hang out in the living room. So you go from the hard chairs of the kitchen to the living room, this is not, how long did I last? I think eight seconds, it was like a rodeo, I sat down on the couch, it was like a bull, and I fell asleep, like, and just like that, I couldn't, no matter what I can do, I just go to bed way, way earlier, eight, eight thirty, something like that, so if you ever thought your pastor was cool, you don't have to worry about that, I'm not, I'm not cool at all. So we had, a, we had a football coach that said nothing good happens after midnight. Nothing good happens after 9 p.m. So that's why I'm headed back. So I'm a morning person. The reason I love the morning, and maybe if you're a morning person, it's the same thing. Every morning's like brand new. Like you get up, if you're up early, if you're up before anybody else in the house, it's brand new. Like you, if you had a lousy day yesterday, if you ate terrible, if you spent money you shouldn't have spent, or you had gotten an argument or a fight, like in the morning, you know, the coffee's still fresh. It's a brand new day. And like, here's a day I can do something with. And if you were as productive daily this week, how many of you were productive on a daily basis this week? I was the least productive human, I think, ever. I don't know what, like mentally on a daily basis, I could not do it this week. Um, a friend of mine has no church the week after uh, Christmas Eve. And that sounded really attractive when he was talking to me about it. But so they, they give their volunteers a break. That's the idea. But on a daily basis, I was completely useless today, uh, this week. Uh, my friend asked, hey, do you want to go for a mountain bike ride? I just said, no, I don't. I don't. I'm like, no, I'll just sit at home, do nothing. The reason why, this doesn't mean I don't do anything during this week. This week is a huge, huge week for me to think on a bigger scale, like where, what are you going to do like this next year? What are you going to do these next months? So if you think like the day is a big deal, uh, most of you probably function in a monthly budget. I don't know anyone who works like on a fortnight budget or anything like that. Most people, even if you get paid twice a month, you work on a monthly budget. So you ever get to the end of your budget and it's tight and you're, you're like dreaming of the, when you're gonna, that new paycheck's gonna hit because it's a brand new month. Like now, now my budget looks good again. The Excel spreadsheet, everything looks pretty. But you get towards the end, it, you're just ready for like a fresh start. So even more than a month, I think we're talking about a year. And you have big, big goals for a year and this idea that says, okay, this is the year I'm going to run a marathon or I'm going to lose 10 pounds or I'm going to uh, get a new job or um, find a significant other. You have all these goals, buy a house. I mean, you have all, graduate, you know, all these goals. When you think about this year, you can do just about anything, right? So I read this book. This is what happens in a week like this when I've read Michael Hyatt's stuff. And this one is, you can guess what this is about. So I'm going to just try and, you try and figure it out. The title's pretty cryptic. The 12-week year. So the idea is this, and I'll just I'll save you the trouble for having to read books. Uh, the, the idea is this, is when you plan for a whole year, you always think you've got time. Do you ever notice that? Like, if you're going to lose 10 pounds in a year, how much is that a day? Do you ever do the math? 
0.4 ounces. Like that is not super difficult or, you know, like, oh yeah, big week this week, I lost six ounces. Like that is depressing. So he, this is their, their premise is uh, you can't even plan out a year because you would get bored, right? If you had to write what you're going to do 52 weeks in a row, how many of those weeks would be filler weeks? And you'd be like, do week six again, 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 right? So he says, if you had 12 weeks, and that's all you've got. There's a sense of urgency. So you see at the end of a year, at the end of your goals, some of that stuff happens. And so now you're talking about if you want to lose 10 pounds, you're almost losing a pound a week. And then you're into this for a month and you're getting some of this, you're getting some momentum in it. And you're like, okay, I've already lost four pounds. Like I'm getting somewhere. I've worked out five days in a row or something like that. I think they're onto something, to be honest. And so I sat down with the kids as more proof that your pastor's a dork. We had a family meeting and I said, okay, we got to go through our 12-week goals. And they actually did it. So this is my kids. They don't know I'm a complete dork yet, right? <laughs> my son looks skeptical right now. Goal number one, don't think your dad's a dork. So we, we write down their goals, and we talk about, like, how can we support the kids if they have some ideas? So, Owen, I'm going to steal your goal. Is that fine? He wants to get better at dribbling. So I said, okay, you know, I'll help you, and I'll write down stuff that you can do to get a little bit better at dribbling. So we shared the family goals. We shared everyone, and we had comments about them. And so now you can support the other person in what they're trying to do. Does that make sense? Spiritually, though, and this is why I think this makes sense, um, I'm going to ask you a question. This last year, how would you describe your spiritual life? And I've got, three, I've got three options. Would you say this last year you were spiritually apathetic? And that would be uh, maybe you're not a believer or maybe you're just like, you know what, I'm just kind of indifferent about it. Like church isn't a huge thing or it's not a big, big deal to me. Uh, would you say you're spiritually inconsistent? And that might look like, you know, one week you're, you're reading your Bible every, every day and then you don't for like three weeks. Or you go to church every Sunday for a whole month, and then it kind of drifts off. Or you, um, you pray, and you're like, wow, this is really great. I'm praying for the family. And then uh, soon your prayers only come up when the person's walking towards you, and you're like, uh, dear Lord, please help them. I just said a prayer for you. It was really deep. You're right. I mean, it's, so is it inconsistent? Or would you say, and this is, I got this list from another pastor. I heard him ask these same questions that kind of hit home for me. Were you spiritually consumed in a positive way, saying like, um, this was maybe your best year ever as far as your relationship with God. So I'm going to ask you another question. If you're brave enough, how many of you would say you fit into category one or two? I was at church every week. I'd say just about everybody. Does that tell you how hard the devil works to try and to disrupt what would be really positive and what could be a really good thing and to seek God and to say, God, what, wh how do I move forward? So if you are happy with what you did, you can kind of zone out. Actually, then you would go into inconsistent. So then you'd have to, like, so, but if you were completely happy how your last year went, it, keep doing what you're doing. But if you're not very happy at how it turned out, if you're thinking like, I don't, I think I am fit into apathetic, or maybe I am inconsistent. You got to change something to have a different year. And I'm not asking you to do 12 months. You know, I thought about that, and I thought, how about till Easter? What, what things could you do as an individual? What things could you do as an individual to get till Easter? Easter is, I think, April 1st this year, so we've got January, February, March. Three months. And so I've got four things that I think would be helpful, and I think we'll put them by order of time to give you an idea. So 
Matthew 6, this is the words of Jesus, uh, but seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. So as you're going through all these goals, just think about how hard have you worked to try and think about your job or your relationship or all these other things, and God says, this is what I want. I want you to seek me first. So what does that look like? First day of the week, seek God. First of the day, seek God. And what does this look like? Um, When you get up in the morning, I'm not trying to make this legalistic. If you're a night person, both of you, you can do this at night. But I think there's something. I think there's something positive that happens when you say the first thing I'm going to do is this part of my morning routine is going to spend time in God's Word. I think there's something that comes from that. And you can see some of the examples. Here's how David even talks about it. Uh, Psalm 63, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Think of the words here. Have you ever, you, you've desired something. You've lost your watch. You've lost your wallet. Earnestly, you desire to find this. You're looking through the whole house, and you look through that pile again. And you've lost your keys at your son's house. I'm just kidding. The, the wits may have lost their keys at their son's house. So they earnestly, they desire to find these because they can't go home unless they find their car keys. I thirst for you, he says. You've, have you been there? You've thir- been so thirsty, you just long to have something to drink. My whole body longs for you. And you've had that same thing for other things, right? You've had that same thing for success. You've had that same thing for something else. You've had that same thing at 8.30 at night when you're at your friend's house. You long to be sleeping in a bed, and you start dreaming about it. You long for that, and God is saying, this is what I want for you. I want you to long for this time with me. This is Jesus, the Son of God. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. If the Son of God can make time to say, I need to commune with my Father, I need to have conversations with my Father, I need to be praying with the Father in heaven, does it make sense that we do that? If the perfect Son of God who met his goals says this is a priority that makes sense, does it make sense for sinful human beings who so easily are pulled away by the devil, does it make sense for us to say, God, I'm going to do this in the morning? So what does this look like? I'm not going to make this legalistic, but maybe before you even turn on your phone, Maybe before you, like I have to do before I drink coffee, this is my trigger that says, okay, have I read God's word today? As I'm pouring coffee, I think, you know, often I get two words into it, as I told you, but then I have a drink of coffee. But there's something that says, this is something early that I'm going to do. Now, I made my son do this. It was Christmas Eve, and uh, Christmas morning, he got up. It's like three in the morning, and we hear this giggling downstairs. He's watching a YouTube video, and we're like, what is going on? It's like 2.50 in the morning. And so I go downstairs, I'm like, you all right? He's like, yeah, I'm just not tired. Just thought I'd watch some videos. I'm like, okay, can I wake my sisters up? I'm like, no, that's not going to look good. That's, this is not going to be a good situation. So I wait until, I, I push him off till four, and I'm like, hey, do you want to do dad's morning routine? And he was actually up for this. He's like, yeah, I'll do dad's morning routine. Do you know how much work? Now he knows what an old man has to do to try and function in the morning. So he did everything with me. It was fantastic. So we get up, we're like, okay. First, you got to drink 20 ounces of water. So I drink mine, and he's on like ounce two. He's like, oh, i got to drink this whole thing. I'm like, all right, just that's good enough. When I'm done, you're done. So that we drink our water, and then if you're an old man, your back hurts every day, so you got to go on the roller, the foam roller, and then you got to sit on a lacrosse ball on both sides to get your... Anyone else is old. This is what I have to do. So I've got my son doing the same thing. He's like, Dad, it's not doing anything. I'm like, yeah, because you're nimble. So, like, so he has to do this. I'm just trying to drag time out so he can wake his sisters up. We go through that, and we read the Bible together, which is pretty awesome. We read Luke 2, uh, the, the Christmas story on Christmas Day, which is pretty awesome. We spent some time doing that. And then we, we set down our goals for the day. So I've got this sheet, and it says, like, what are you thankful for? 
The, di- <laughs> the difference between a 41-year-old man's goals and his son's goals are pretty awesome. I had like my priorities, it's all full, and I'm like, hey, what do you got for priorities? You know, I let him do it on his own. Hug Yenzi. Hug mom. Open presents. Like, this is, I'm like, man, this is where the life is at. This is what I got to be doing. This is what, he even went down to the basement with me and did squats. So I like, I squat every day. So I'm like, hey, you're in? He's like, yeah, I'm squatting. So then four times during the day, like the, the our sisters couldn't open a jar or something. He's like, here, let me handle it. I did my squats today. So like, so it was this good experience. But what, what was the point? There's a routine to it. And if you want to actually say, I want to spend time with God, I want to grow in God's word, I want to be, spend time with him and seek what God has to say about me, you got to make it easier to do it than not do it. you got to have some system in place that says it's easier for me to do this than not do it. Maybe it's before your feet even touch the ground. You say, okay, I'm going to turn on my phone, I'm going to read God's word, I'm going to watch an online devotion, I'm going to do something like that. Whatever it is, make it easier to do it than not do it. And then you get a special moment, the one thing that we got to do together, and that's why I brought it up, is we got to pray. And so with my son, who's, you know, 10, I got to sit down and say, here's how I pray. Um, We start close. So what's going on in the family's life? What's going on in my own life? And then we go a little bit farther. We go to our neighbors. We go to the congregation, and we go to the world. And today we'll talk about that. There's that incident on 470 where you pray for what's going on in the world. Whatever it is, if you want to have the best year spiritually, it's got to be a consistency that says, I'm going to hear God's word. Now, one final thing on that. Don't blow yourself up if you go a day and you miss it. Just start the next day. And I don't know what your plan looks like. There's absolutely no excuse to not have some kind of Bible reading plan. There's like eight gazillion of them. Read the New Testament three times between. Read it for the month of January and then the month of February and then the month of March. I, I don't care what you do. Find something to say, I'm going to spend time in God's word. Uh, number two, first of the week, worship together. Here's what the Bible says about it. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Not a potluck, but to have communion. Paul spoke to the people, and he attended to leave the next day and kept them talking until midnight. And you know what happened? A guy fell out of the window and died. What did I tell you? Nothing good happens after midnight. So the first day of the week, why did they worship on the first day of the week? Why do we come together on a Sunday and not a Friday? Because it's the most significant event that has ever happened in human history. Jesus' birth is fantastic. But on Easter Sunday, the culmination of Jesus' goals, perfect life and perfect death for not just anybody but for you, who sets you apart so that you can be something different, so that you can be uh, God's own son. That happens on Sunday so we get together. Now, I know there's a lot of stuff that comes up on a Sunday. There's a lot of stuff. you got work. There's football. There's sports, there's kids, there's all kind, there's in-laws in town. But I think as a family, you say, when we're in town, we're going to church. What does that do? Well, let me ask you this. I just read a stat that said most Christians, 48%, that's not most, okay, just under half of Christians, 48% go to church once a month. So once a month. So you can pat yourself on the back if you go more often. But if not, let me ask you this. What else could you have some kind of effect in your life if you're there a quarter of the time? Could you go to the gym a quarter of the time, one out of four days, and expect some kind of result? Could you follow your diet one out of four meals and expect some kind of change? Could you remember your kids' names one out of four times and have, <laughs> and have a relationship, right? Could you remember your anniversary one out of four anniversaries and still have a good deal going? Could, could this work? Can you, um, can you go to work one out of four days? 
Can you get your work done one out of four times? Can you go to school one out of four weeks? Is there anything you can do where you can do a quarter of the time and expect some kind of effect in your life? Anything. No. I'm not trying to make this legalistic. But if you want to change and have the beauty of getting together in corporate worship on a Sunday and recognize other believers, how can you do that if you're only there half the time? How can you be praying for your brothers and sisters if you can't remember their name? How can you have some kind of experience if you're just spending it one out of four times, one out of two times? If you're in town, these next three months, say, let's make this a priority as a family. If we're in town, we're going to be at church. This is the encouragement they had. Let us, not, let us consider how we may spur one another on. It's a group activity towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as the day is approaching. The end of the world is coming, and God is saying, let's build each other up. Number three. First of the month, give back to God. So this is, um, I think there's something to this, and so we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we've been talking about giving a lot, but I think there's something to this. And I say give back to God. I don't say give our offering, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, this is not a lesson on the tithe, but I'm just giving you an example from Leviticus because I want to show one thing. The tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or from the soil, the fruit, when they got an increase from the trees, no matter what it is, belongs to the Lord. God says, this is mine. And there's something to that, recognizing that this is not my money that I'm giving to God, it's God's money that I'm just giving back to him. So if I leave my jacket somewhere and someone brings it to me, do they say, I have given you the offering of your jacket? No, they just, I'm like, it's my jacket, right? If my kids go to the movies and they say, hey, Dad, can I borrow 20 bucks and I give them 20 bucks? I'll give them money so they can go to the movies. So they go to the movies and they give me my change. Do they say, Dad, I am giving you the offering of the change? Is that what your kids say? That's weird, right? Because it's my money. Like, no, you're giving my money back that I just let you use for a while. And when the Bible talks about God and his money, he always says, this is, everything is the Lord's. You just get to use it for a while. And so why at the beginning of the month, the reason I picked the beginning of the month is because I'm guessing most of you, again, go on a monthly budget. And I think there's something pretty powerful about saying first things first. Amy and I get paid twice a month, both of us. Uh, but the first thing of the month, it's one of the first days our offering goes to the Lord. And the idea is to say, God, we're putting our priorities straight. We get this privilege to say this is yours. Now, 90% of the people um, have found right here in our own church. So when you see the offering go by, and we've got a full church today, and there's like three items in it. Have you noticed that? It's a good Sunday. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good Sunday because 90% of the people in our church give online. Why? To automate something, to make it automatic, to make it easier to do it than not do it as a whole makes it so you do it. So just think of the other scenario. So all mine's automated. It just goes, and I, it's harder for me to not give to church than it is to, um, did I say that? harder for me to not give than to give. And I think that we're running the same thing. Now imagine the other day, you want to do it, you want to write a check. A, you got to find your checkbook. Does anyone know where their checkbook is? Does, who still has a checkbook? All right, I would have to look. I'd have to be like, okay, where's my checkbook? Where's my checkbook? Does it still have the correct address on it? You know, like, okay, so I'm ready to go. How do I write a check again? Okay, do I hyphenate between 35 or is it just one word? You hyphenate. You know, so like I'm writing this down. You, A, you have to find it. B, you have to remember it. C, you got to have, like when you get to church, you got to pull it out. And then you're not trying to do this like during, while well, someone's singing the song, like the opening song. You're like, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Yeah, then you got to think about it. Then you got to put it in the offering plate. Now what happens if you're not here the first week? 
Then what? Then you forget about it, and you probably haven't pre-written the check, and then you get to the end of the month, and remember how we said the last five days of your budget goes? So now you're at the last five days of the budget, and you're like, man, I can't wait till next month, but wait a second, I didn't even give my offering from last month. What are the chances that you say, you know what, I'm going to just write two checks? You're more sanctified than I am if you just write your two checks. But for me, I have to make it automatic to say, God, this is yours, and I want to give this back to you. So just in review, what do we want to do to have our best year spiritually? Seek God, worship together, give back to God, and fast. Okay, you're like, wait a second here. Lutherans don't talk about fasting ever, especially in Wisconsin. We went back to Wisconsin, and what do you think we do when we go back to Wisconsin? The, we go back to Wisconsin, and they're like, what, kids, what do you want to do? We want to go to Wilmer's Chocolate Store, we go to Simon's Cheese, we go to Cinder's to have steak sandwiches, and we go to Pizza King to have pizza. Like 90% of the things that we do in Wisconsin is consumption. That's what we do. And if it's not food, it's liquid. So I mean, this is what we do when we go back to the Midwest. So this, I think you would get kicked out of the ministry if you suggested a fast in Wisconsin. But we're not in Wisconsin. And there, this is not, like I said, in the Old Testament, let me just talk about this a little bit. In the Old Testament, this happened all the time. Once a year, everybody, they had, they, everyone would have a fast every year on Yom Kippur. So this is the fall, usually September, October. Everybody would have a fast, and they'd focus on confessing their sins. They also would declare a fast for the whole assembly. So there'd be something that happened, and the priest would come and say, we declare, the leader Moses would declare, we are declaring a fast for the whole nation. So why would they do that? The reason they did that is so that they could have time to not worry about preparing meals, not worried about doing all these other things, but they say, when I'm getting hungry, I want to have this connection that says I'm totally relying on God. I want to focus completely as much as I can on what God has to say. Now, I don't know how many of you have done like an official fast. I've done it like for a day or two. I know people who've gone 21 days, and, and I know some people that do 21 days um, with like fruit and things like that. I'm not even suggesting that. I'm guessing if you're honest with yourself and you said, what is something that's keeping me from my relationship with God? Usually we start the year and we want to do something really positive. Like we want to work out every day or something like that. But I'm betting if you, if you just said, what is something that's keeping me from like growing in my relationship with God? What is something that's interfering? And my guess is it's something that you probably have to give up. And so... I think this fast, I mean, officially fast, I'm going to do it for 21 days. I've got my own idea of something that I've said, you know, I've got to stop doing this for 21 days. And maybe yours is you just got to stop alcohol for 21 days, just to reset. Because once a week became twice a week, and now you have a glass or two or three or maybe four every night. And you're saying, you know what, this is not a good spot for us. Maybe it's spending. You got to take your credit cards, you got to put them somewhere else for it. 21 days or a week or a month, and you say, you know what, I have been overspending again and again and again, and I'm so worried about this that it's interfering with my relationship with other stuff. Maybe, it, you know, it's, I got to give up some time in the morning in bed so that I can get up and hear God's word. Maybe it's, you know, watching TV at night because you just let that light just bleed, and suddenly it's 12 o'clock and you're not all that productive. I, I don't know what the thing is that maybe it is food. And you say, you know what, I want to do a real fast. When the Bible talks about it, here's the point. It's between you and God. This is not some show to show everybody in the world. This is what he says. When you fast, this is Jesus. They were Jewish people. They fasted. Jesus said, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, like show everyone, oh, I'm totally dying. You know I haven't had carbs for a week. 
Um, for they disfigure their faces and show others they are fasting just to prove it. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head. That means, like, clean yourself. Wash your face, brush your teeth, so that you will not be obvious to the others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is not about some big show. I'm not saying you have to hide it. But I think to start this new year, if you want to kick off this new year, you say, this, I want this to be the best spiritual three months that I've ever had in my life. What are we going to do? Seek the Lord early in the day. Do that first. Worship together. Make it a point these next three months that we're going to worship corporately together, support each other, love each other. Um, three, we're going to say, let's honor God early with our gifts. So it's not some side thought, you know, God, get my leftovers. I want to, I'm going to pick something, whatever that is in your mind and say, I want to joyfully, cheerfully give that. And then I think to kick something off as you focus this year spiritually, pick something that you say, this is something I should give up for a time, maybe forever, but maybe for a time to say, God, help me focus on you. Three questions. Apathetic, inconsistent, or consumed. I think I know which one that I would want to be, but I also know where I've been. And I'm praying that we can support each other, we can pray for each other so that we can move towards the, the, the idea of David that I long to be in God's house, I long to be with him, and I grow and understand the forgiveness that Christ has given us. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the new year gives us a chance for a brand new start. That's so exciting, and there's so many goals that we have in mind, but let's make one of those priorities you and let's seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. We know that, as you say, you will take care of all these other things. What does that look like? It's going to look different for each of us. We're not being legalistic about it. We're not saying this is what you have to do to grow close to you. It doesn't even have to be in the morning or however that works. But let's just look at these four areas of our life. Is there something that we should give up? Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's just something that's just getting in the way in our relationship. We've got to fight for our marriage. We've got to fight for time. We've got to fight for our friendships and our jobs. And let's pick something that is hurting our relationship with you and just put that aside for a while so we can focus on you help us to honor you with our offerings help you honor as we corporately encourage one another um, weekly in worship and then finally just between us no one has to know this but let's seek you every day let's spend some time in your word to hear what you have to say about us and spend some time in prayer not only about what's going on in our own life but these other believers who are here who are also looking to seek your face we ask this in your name amen